tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. I want to set this up for you. In the early hours of August 31st, 1997, Princess Diana died from the injury she sustained in a car crash in a tunnel in Paris, France. Her partner, Dodi Fayed, and the driver, Henry Paul, were pronounced dead at the scene. Their bodyguard, Trevor Reese Jones, as you might remember, was seriously injured, but he survived the crash. Some media claim the erratic behavior of paparazzi chasing the car uh, contributed to the crash. A lot of conspiracy theories. Diana was certainly on the outs with the royal family. But the question is, was it simply a traffic accident, a tragedy, or was there more to the story? Joining us is our good friend, Steve Eubaney. His new book is Who Murdered Princess Diana? Steve, good to have you with us, sir. Jim, it's great to be back on your show for, I think, the third time, right? Yeah, the third time. And people love sure. your, your shows are like some of the most downloaded shows. And I have to tell you that... The whole Princess Diana thing, what gave I want to just start with this one question and then we'll kind of work backwards. But this is something that she actually predicted was going to happen to her. And that part of it, I still can't wrap my brain around, because how many times does someone actually predict with specificity, not only that they're going to be killed, but how they're going to be killed? <laughs> yeah, she. uh she knew somebody was after her, but I don't know if she thought the right people were after her. Um, she she was warned a bunch of times by people within the British government. Um, she was getting involved in an anti-landmine campaign, and beside, behind that was going to be a small arms ban. And she was going around the world getting um, presidents and dictators and everyone to bend to her will. And she was upsetting the powers that be who, you know, hold the financial purse strings for this world. And it's, uh, so in my estimation, how I ended up into this, um, my book was already done. I already had all the suspects lined up, and I run, just like in all of my books, I run the suspects through motive, means, and opportunity, the criminal process. And in the end, I spit out, based on the evidence, um, who, who did this. You know, so I had my manuscript all done and I put on a popular social media venue and I won't mention the the, the venue. My next book <laughs> is going to be going to be entitled Who Murdered Diana? And I had this person okay. who contacted me from France. And uh, you, you cut out there. You con con contacted you from France. Is that what you said? Right. OK. They, uh, they contacted me with France from France, and they said that their mother had been researching 
the death of Diana for 10 years and she had recently passed and they wanted to know if I wanted the information. Wow. And I said, Oh boy. Uh, cause my manuscript is already three months late. And I knew what this meant. I was going to have to redo everything. So I said, okay, send it over. What's in my book or what is contained in my book is based somewhat on that. There's photos in my book of her in the crash that nobody's ever seen before. Um, there was a meeting apparently at the Bilderberg conference that is covered in this person's work, who was there, what they talked about. And they had a meeting that was overheard by this person's contact about murdering Diana. 45 days after the Bilderberg conference, guess what happened? Wow. In the tunnel, only a handful of witnesses. So, the British government, people within the British government were trying to warn her, you know, look, you need, to, you need to stay out of this arms thing. You're weighing over your head. Three different people, uh, a British defense minister, a politician, a member of parliament, and finally the last one was the uh, Britain's Armed Forces Minister. And it didn't make sense to me. If someone's going to kill you, they're not going to try and save you. They're trying to save her life. They're warning her, stop doing this. So it didn't make sense to me that the royal family had much to do with this. So um, there's information in this book that I don't think you're ever going to find anywhere else. Well, this is a different. Um, this is a different family. This is a different theory because isn't it right that most of the theories were based on? The royal family being behind all of this, does your book take a whole different direction, or do you say that the royal family had any involvement in your theory? That's a two-part answer. Um, everybody who's investigated this, to my knowledge, has been from the UK. So they look at it through that confirmation bias. They look at it through that lens. <laughs> I live in America. I, I'm not obsessed with the royal family. I respect them. They don't mean much to me. I live here. <laughs> right. So because I didn't look at it through that lens, you know, I just they were just a group of suspects, you know, and for me, it doesn't make sense that they were involved because you know, the royal family only has a handful of jobs. They only do a few things. They keep the monarchy going by having males, male babies. That's their job. That's what they do. Um, they make ceremonial appearances as dignitaries, and they act weird and stay away from people. <laughs> That's what they do. Okay. Do you, none do you, of this. Do you do you buy into any of the idea that there's sort of this like secret sort of cloak of power that emanates from the royal family? Like like somehow the queen is like actually ruling the world or they have like control over the world's finances. Some, some of that's being fed by this Prince Andrew being untouchable with the Jeffrey Epstein thing. Um, do you think these are just sort of a bunch of uh, very strange people that serve a ceremonial role? Or have you bought into any of those ideas that they're kind of this secret power that's running the world? I really don't know beyond England what they run. <laughs> I know that the Bank of England is very involved in lots of things. Yeah. Uh, the rest for me would be speculation. I know this. They had everything to lose and nothing to gain by trifling with this scorned divorcee. 
They wanted her to shut up and go away. That's what they wanted. So I'm thinking, you know, why would they want, because people were starting to take sides in, you know, around the world, but especially in Britain, they were on the side of Charles and they were on the side of Diana. And I don't care what government you have. You want people who are peaceful who can pay your taxes and shut up and go about their business. You don't want an uprising. And, and, I mean. and in death, Diana became even more beloved. So that pretty much confirms what you're saying. That wouldn't have really been a good uh, strategy if, if, you, if you thought it through. Now, get specific, though. When you say she was meddling in matters of war and national defense, make that a little bit more clear. What exactly was she doing? I mean, I know she did the landmine campaign to try to raise money to get rid of landmines. All of that, you know, seemed like a good cause. But what was she doing that went beyond that? That was sort of, um, you know, putting at risk, you know, issues of defense. Well, I'll give you that and then I'll give you my list of suspects. OK. Well, all right. All right. Um, Princess Diana was trying to reinvent herself and she took down this Mother Teresa cause thing, okay? She became the, the people's princess. One of the things, the first thing she got into was an, was an AIDS, uh, um, she was the voice for AIDS. And that did not set well with the pharmaceutical industry because she was holding babies with AIDS and this and that, and you weren't supposed to touch these people. Hmm. So um, they're trying to scare people to death with AIDS so they can sell a vaccine, Catch the parallel? And (laughs) they, um, you know, and she's going around there touching people with AIDS and completely destroying, you know, all of the fear that they were going to sell AIDS with. So that's the first group of people. One of the most powerful people she upset was the military-industrial complex. She was going around doing this anti-landmine ban, and she had 100 countries in June of... 97. She had a hundred countries lined up to stop the sale of, uh, um, international campaign to ban landmines, the ICEDL. And this was starting to take hold. In July, she ended up in Angola and, um, she was being threatened. She went there on an anti-landmine campaign to, in showing sh- her children. And it was a huge media spectacle. Right before she went to Angola, there was a man named Alan McGregor who was in charge of protecting the princess when she traveled abroad. She was getting so many threats from the Afghan rebels and others in, uh, in Angola, um, that, um, the rebels in Angola, I'm sorry. He had to pay a ransom of a hundred million pounds. So they would leave her alone. Wow. This is the level of death threats this woman was getting. So, and then she goes into Bosnia on August 18th just 13 days before this murder. And again, she finally gets President Clinton on board to sign the treaty. And again, more threats to the point where she was using a body double. A lot of people don't know that. Wow. I didn't know that. I, I never this heard of yeah. someone else's work. Um, there are pictures in my book. I was going to say I was going to throw in a I was going to throw in a little humor there and say they'd have to find someone with a really good body (laughs) to be her body double. (laughs) 
<laughs> but this there is are a, pictures in my book. But this is a Christian show, so I digress. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are pictures in my book of her on the boat with Dodie, and it's not her. Wow. And if you look closely, you can tell it's not her. So the list of suspects, and I will, I'm not going to break them down here um, because the book will more than answer these questions. The Royal Family, um, the paparazzi, uh, arms brokers, we already covered them, the, ph the pharmaceutical industry, uh, I already, already covered those, and two people in here that I don't think anybody would ever suspect. Uh, Kelly Fisher was someone who was a fiancé of Dodi Alfied. Hmm. He broke it off with her to start with uh, the start of a romance with Princess Diana. Um, Aznet Khan, and he was the boyfriend of Diana, who she just broke up with to start relations with Dodi. Hmm. So all of these people, I had to check and see. I had to look with clear eyes, not a bias. I, had to, I couldn't look at it from anybody else's point of view. So I had to look through all of these people to find the motive, means, and opportunity for all of these people in my book to see what came out the other end. So it's quite a book. Um, and we want people to know how to September get it. Let, let, me, let me stop for a second because it's good, a good point to tell people yeah. how to get the book. The website is whomurderedbooks.com. Or I see it's also at Amazon, and I know you don't always put your books at Amazon, but this one is at Amazon. Is that right? Yeah, it's cheaper on my website, but you can get it on Amazon, too, sure. Um, I did that because I wanted availability for people in foreign countries who I can't ship to. Right, to right. Yeah, very good. WhoMurderedBooks.com or Amazon if you're looking to get a copy of the book. And tonight we're just going to be scratching the surface. And I know with Christmas coming up and the holidays, if there's somebody in your family that, you know, is into true crime, is interested in, you know, news and history, all of that is going to be in this book. And his books are very well done, page turners. And uh, Steve, I'll let you uh, pick it up right there where you were where you were rudely interrupted while I was doing your sales pitch for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I want to tell everybody with all this research and writing I did on these subjects, I still don't I still don't use glasses. I drink right out of the bottle. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> no humor for you. Okay, so back to this story. Um just a handful of days after her her crash was she had to be taken out before September nineteenth. That was the third and final meeting for the landmine band and it was going to be inked. They were all going to ink it. And that was it. It was going to be final. She never saw that meeting with her. Not there. The press didn't even show up. President Clinton pulled out and everything fell apart. Wow. So this is, this is not a car accident. This was something a little more, um, let me to talk about the night she died and a fast yeah, forward here. Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that because my ne my next question was going to be all of that weird stuff that we hear about where 
they let her stay in the car for hours working on her there instead of taking her and transporting her to a trauma center. And then that was later defended under the idea that, well, that's how they do it in France. In France, when you're in a car accident, they just leave you in the car bleeding to death while they work on you there because they have a different approach. Where in America, we take you while you're bleeding to death to a trauma center and we deal with you with, you know, surgeons and all the technology and equipment. But in France, they have these special ambulances where they just treat you right there on the side of the road for hours. I never believe that, but I never really put any time researching into it. It just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, wh- what does your book say about that whole idea? Well, I just, I think you about summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was on a show, uh, I don't know, two weeks ago and I, Told him the almost the exact same thing. I said, "This is this is insane." You get the most famous woman in the world who is married to the crown or was in Britain, and by lineage was French royalty, and they're pay, they're paying more attention to the dead bodies, and they're letting her sit back there. Makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't care. You know, there's a, there are pizza places out there who deliver pizza in 30 minutes guaranteed. She'd have been better off ordering a pizza and riding back with a driver. Wow, she'd still be alive. Yeah, that's a that's that's amazing. You know? Was there was there ever any um, investigation into that part of it? And did anybody ever face any consequences for? I mean, how how did they try to how did they defend that? Not not transporting her right away. Not very well. It's covered in the book. I don't have time to cover it here. Two weeks ago, I was on a show, and uh, show host, I'm not going to mention his name, started getting hostile, you know, getting irate with me. Come to find out, he was a journalist in France at the time. Wow. When I started poking holes in this, and I said, so basically, if you didn't, if you'd have done your job then, I wouldn't have handed you your job now, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Threw me off the show. <laughs> <laughs> now I've been so, to I've been um, I've been to that Ritz Carlton. I went there after after this you know terrible accident. I was in Paris and I wanted to go to that hotel because I just wanted to see it. And I was actually surprised at how remarkably small it was, especially in the lobby huh. area. It was very small. And I did, you know, the, the thing where you like walk around the hotel and then you go out and look at where the sort of the back area was where they were supposedly like sneaking out to get away from the paparazzi. Um, talk about that night and, the accident itself, which I know you were about to go into, and this whole idea that this was a cat and mouse uh, game between her and the paparazzi. They were making this sort of getaway out of the back entrance or whatever it was. And this chase is what was really what caused the accident. That was the narrative that stuck for a very long time, many years. Yeah, it's hard to unring a bell, but that's exactly what I do in my book. Um, we have been lied to so badly for so many years that I'm just going to blow the dust off all of it, and I have the evidence to do it. Okay, so let's go to the night that she was uh, she was murdered. You might as well just come right out and say it. And, I mean, it's not a death. It's a murder. Dodie wanted to take her to dinner in Paris at this restaurant called Chesmonet. So the Alfieds have, these are very important people. They're very rich people. Um, they're Dodie's father was a billionaire. They had their own securities. So 
they were going to go to this restaurant, and the rumor has it that he was going to uh, ask her to marry him. I don't know. Might be true. Might not. For me, it's a micro fact, not a macro fact. So there might have been a ring. There might not have been a ring. Who knows? So they want to go to this restaurant. It's about quarter to ten at night. Dodie's security team goes ahead of them to make sure everything looks good. Restaurants mobbed lots and lots of people. And his security team and the paparazzi, they know each other very well because they tip off the paparazzi where they're going to be so they can get photos, so they can vend the photos and give kickbacks to the security team. So these, these people know each other well, all right? So they go to the, the Chesbonet ahead of the, the couple, and they start seeing strange people at Chesbonet who don't fit. Hmm. They're not tourists, they're not paparazzi, and they're lurking around the crowd. And this is summer. I mean, this is, this is summertime. They're hanging out with winter coats on, just acting strange. Hmm. So they said, you know, like, this, is, this is too strange. This is not safe for you guys. We're going to go back to the Reds. We're going to go back to the Reds. And they go up to the, this, the you know, Imperial Suite. And Dodie phones his father and says, look, it's so dangerous. We're just, we're just going to stay here tonight. Well, 15 minutes later, now these people are in the lobby at the Ritz. And they're freaking out. They don't know what to do. How do we get away from these people? Who are these people? I mean, there's pictures of these people in my book. So um, I've got some very interesting photos in that book. So the driver, Henri Paul, he was not drinking that night. That's an Easter Bunny story. He was working for MI6 and other... He was he was uh, in, in charge of security at the Reds. He also had helped the Alfieds on multiple occasions. And they, they owned it. They owned the Reds. So he was actually... It was discovered later that he was um, an informant for MI6, for the CIA, for other governments, because it's an international hotspot. People stay there. So yeah. in return for information... He was getting paid. So he had $22,000 on or the equivalent to when his body was found. So he gets a call from MI6 and says, hey, look, we secure her route. Take her out the back door. Um, make a presence at the front door. Keep everybody there, and we'll sneak her out the back door. We've got a route all secured for you. He said, great. He tells Dodie. He goes down out the front door to where the paparazzi are. And he says, we'll be down in a minute, folks. Stay put. The bellboy gets the only car left in the motor pool, brings it up. They sneak out the back door. They go out. It wasn't 50 feet down the road. They knew they were set up. Wow. They're surrounded by motorcycles, people all dressed in black, and they're wielding guns. And now the chase is on. So, um, <laughs> and these, the first tunnel... Uh, off the Riverside Expressway, there were one, two, three, four, five, six witnesses. I won't. I don't have time to go into the names. Um, they all gave testimony to the French police, and they went to the media afterwards, saying what they saw. And they had, had absolutely no interest in investigating. And their documented testimony is in this book. So the first tunnel, they're all the way around the car. These people dressed in black on these very beefy motorcycles and the car is trying to speed away. Well, this is never going to happen. You're never going to have a car that outruns a motorcycle. The power to weight ratio was always on the motorcycle. 
So they come into the second tunnel where the crash happens, and now they're in front of the car. This is all according to witnesses. This is not me. These are witness testimonies I've got. And there's this white Fiat Uno who's just kind of meandering in the road, going at a really odd, slow pace, and the car comes and it clips the car. And everybody thinks, oh, this was just an accident. It was not an accident. It's what they, what they call a pit maneuver. Police are doing this now with chase vehicles. They've been doing this in NASCAR for years, since the 40s. When, you, when you're in a chase with someone, you just let the car go by and just barely nick the back quarter panel. And the car will swerve and spin out. Well, it swerved and hit the 13th pillar. And the testimony that people gave, all of it was ignored. Um, Jack and Robin Firestone were American tourists who were in the tunnel and saw the crash with their 12-year-old son. They gave testimony to the French police twice. It was ignored and or lost. And when the pageant report happened, they tried to give testimony again. They were completely disinterested in their testimony, <laughs> along with numerous others. Um, so here we have this woman who's, you know, stuck in this this hearse, basically, because you know, they're killing her. Um, and the, the ambulance arrived. It's like the Marx Brothers took over this crash scene. You know, they're spending more time dallying around with the guys that are already dead, and they're not, and no one's paying attention to her. So they finally get her in the ambulance, and the debate happens, and she's conscious. She's talking. She's in pain. So, I mean, the debate is going on. Where do we take her? What do we do with her? It's like, wait a minute, I thought this was an ambulance. <laughs> What's going on? Where do you take her? You know? So let, let me jump Ronald in. And, let, let me ask you one one question, which I'm sure a lot of people have um, before you continue. So um, th- these people are chasing with guns and then this pit maneuver. One question I think a lot of people might have is how did these bad guys, whoever they were, how did they know that that they were going to die anyway in the accident and that they didn't at least stop to finish the job with their firearms there was never any firearms discharged at that scene. As far as I know, Um, did they just, did they just figure, okay, this is plan B and we'll just, this accident should do it. Or, or what's your theory on that? Uh, I can't speak for them. I don't know them. I have a really good idea who they were, but I kind of think that, you know, it was, it was a significant enough accident where they thought everybody was going to be killed. Okay. Fair enough. So no, there were no firearms discharge they probably couldn't get a good shot at her and no one ever investigated this car the only people who investigated the car were paid not to find anything we don't know if there are bullet holes in that car well it it makes more sense it makes more sense to me the high speed which was like over 90 miles per hour if i understand it that that would make more sense if someone's chasing you with guns than just that someone's chasing you trying Mm -hmm. to take your picture well, yeah, who's afraid of a picture? <laughs> Makes no sense to me. Yeah. You know? So, um, <laughs> so I have to, like, catch, where was I in this? Okay, so the crash happens. They're trying to figure out what to do with her. And no one investigated this car. Who You know, the only people who investigated the car were, were the French or the British government in their, quote-unquote, pageant report. 
which was a damage control document strewn with lies, just like the Warren Commission report. And I'll go into the pair of their parallels if I have time, because there are parallels throughout all of this. Shocking parallels. So Mercedes-Benz steps in, who's probably one of the finest automobilers in the world, and says, wait a minute, something's wrong. We want to inspect the vehicle. They were turned down three times. No one would let them inspect the vehicle. Wow. And here's why. They claimed, the French claimed, that it was, the speedometer was stuck at 121 miles an hour. The British claimed the speedometer was stuck at 144 miles an hour. Wow. Mercedes-Benz finally had to step in and say, on impact, the speedometer goes to zero. We want to inspect the car. They requested it from the British. They were ignored again. And now I know why they were ignored. Because in April of that year, that car was stolen and stripped from its parts. Hmm. And it was put back together incorrectly. And that's why they died. Because they hit the, they hit the pillar at a speed that was around the crash test rating of the car. Wow. Those people shouldn't have died in that car. This is why Mercedes-Benz got involved and said, hey, wait a minute, what is going on? But they were refused at every turn to inspect that car. So uh, this is, like I said, all of this is covered in books. So the idea is that the car, somehow some of the safety features of the car were tampered with because otherwise they might have lived? Or what, what, what are you saying there? Well, the safety features were definitely tampered with because some of the electronic control control modules were missing. There were fuses missing that would have controlled the the anti-lock braking system. They were basically driving a clown car. You put the most famous woman in the world in this, and a bellboy gets it. Who is this bellboy? Wouldn't you have a cargo in front and a cargo behind? Wouldn't you have a secured vehicle for her to get into? What is this? What is going on here? All of this was set up by a handful of people, four or five people, max. Hey, Stephen, um, in, in our last couple of minutes here, um, did you want to go into some of those parallels between the, the Warren Commission and the investigation here? Just maybe quickly kind of click those off. And then I want to give you some time to tell people how to get the book and what else they'll you know, find if they do get the book, what other topics are, are covered. Boy, I need two hours on this. I, <laughs> I will get into that. I want to spend two minutes on this. Here. Sure, go ahead. Immediately after this happened, immediately after this happened, the paparazzi show up on their motorbikes where the police show up. They take them, they strip search them, they release them because they realize there's no arrest here. Hmm. 30 hours later, um, they blame the dead guy, just like Oswald, just like the Warren Commission. Wow. How very convenient. Yeah. This is your first parallel. Um, within three hours, the there were royal photographers, and their studios were broken into in London, and all of their cameras and all of their computer equipment were stolen. I can't go into it here. It's documented in the book. By the book, somebody on your... Look, you know, we're 21 years into the 21st century, and you can still get a Christmas present for under 20 bucks. Somebody on your Christmas list is going to love this book. I'll even autograph it for you. Go to whomurderedbooks.com, get yourself up a copy. Warren Commission Report and the Pageant Report. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Both were unusual drivers. Henri Paul was not the normal driver for the LPS. And William Greer was not the normal driver for JFK. 
both John Morgan debunked the, uh, they were both harassed and they both debunked, um, their reports. John Morgan found 84 lies in the, in the pageant report. Mark Lane debunked the Warren Commission report, found 106 lies. Um, Henry Paul was working for Intel for MI6 and others, and that's covered multiple times. Oswald had links to the FBI and the CIA, and those documents are in my book. I don't know if anybody's seen those documents, but there's a document in there, a top-secret document from our government, saying that he was, you know, involved in their... Uh, in their stuff. Um, discredited. Henry Paul was found in the, in the public opinion as being drunk. Oswald was found in, in the court of public opinion as being crazy and a lone lunatic and a nut. Uh, both died in their cars. And the public disbelieved the murder of uh, the verdict in the pageant report and the Warren, Warren report both. Um, let me see here. Well, I mean, Diana and both. Yeah, go ahead. Give us one or two more and then I'm going to wrap it up here and give give your website again so people can get the book because there's just too much to get into in one show. And I don't want to give everything away anyway. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, let's that's a good time to break right here. Yeah. Okay. so let's do this. This Um, I I, want to make sure that everybody knows about all the books. That's what I want to start with. So um, the website is whomurderedbooks.com. And there's right now you can get who murdered FDR, who murdered Elvis, who murdered Diana. Uh, there's is, is the Tesla book out yet or is that pre-order still? Um, I'm not taking orders for the Tesla book because I have no idea. It'll be a couple of years. Okay, so that one's in the works. And then who who murdered JFK? That one is in pre-orders. Is that right? No. I'm not taking pre-orders on either one of them. Okay, very good. But but those are coming. Those are coming as well. And and, uh, do you also maintain like a blog or anywhere? uh, Yeah, I see the, the link here to the blog where you kind of write about some of these things outside of the context of a book. A blog is coming, folks. Bear with me. I'm a little busy. <laughs> well, hey, some writers don't there were have almost four thousand hours of yeah. Some writers four thousand hours. Of, some writers don't have a blog, and that's cool too because you know you don't want to give it all away anyway. But in any case, uh, the book is fascinating. We just scratched the surface. Who murdered Diana? Fascinating book. His books are great, and there's a lot of pictures in there too, many of which have never been seen before. Steve Ubaney whomurderedbooks.com. Thanks so much for being with us, sir. We'll have you back again soon. Thank you. Boy, I wish I had more time. Take care. (laughs) All right. God bless. Thank you. Yeah, it always goes by so quickly. And that's sort of one of the challenges of a show that has no commercials is how much how far do we want to go? I mean, how much time do we want to spend, you know, talking about one book or, or one topic? It'd be a little bit easier. Maybe if there were some commercial breaks in there, I could get up and get a new coffee and stretch my legs a little bit and all that. But uh, fascinating, fascinating interview next week. Erwin Lutzer is here. We're going to be talking about this whole idea of Christians and what role we should have in our culture war. All of that will be next time. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and watching for those watching on the video feed. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris live. So long. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody.